Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, welcome to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. On this episode, we are joined by a very special guest, Paul from Dairyland Express. So, Mr. Brettel, welcome to the show. Yeah, guys, I appreciate you having me. Always excited to talk some Packers, and this time, Vikings and rest of the NFC North. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we should preface this by by uh, Paul is a, a Packers guy, and he's from the the dark side or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're excited to have you on and just to hear what you have to share about from your from your your view on the NFC North. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I will say, I you know the whole Dairyland Express. I wanted to ask you about that. Is that your like that? That's just such a great name for a Wisconsin sports site. Was that your brainchild? No, not at all. I can't take credit for that. So okay. Dairyland Express is a part of the fan sided network. Right. Um, and so we uh, write about the Packers, Brewers, Bucks and Badgers, which is perfect for me because I'm a avid Wisconsin sports fan across the board. But yes, I agree. The name, the name is excellent. It is, it's perfect. It's perfect. All right, Sam, what's uh, hit us with first down here. We're going to get Mr. Brettel's sports background. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us by starting off a little bit on like how you got started as a sports writer. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I write about the Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers with the site, but the Packers are my love. Um, I'm born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin, still call it home to this day. Stepped, uh, went away for a little bit for college, but came back and just growing up here, it's, it sounds cliche, but it's a way of life. I mean, Green Bay, Wisconsin, it's only 100,000 people. Uh, I'm proud of the city. I love being from here. But in all honesty, especially compared to like other NFL franchises, there's just not as much to do here. So the world revolves around Green Bay Packers football. So from an early age, that uh, enjoyment, that passion for it has always been there. And a little side story, my because Green Bay, <clears throat> excuse me, Lambeau Field is in the middle of basically neighborhoods. The mm. folks who live probably within a five, six block radius park cars. Well, my grandparents live two blocks away. So when I was five, six, seven, 10 years old, that's what I would do on Sundays. I would go and I'm using air quotes, help them park cars and hang out with the tailgaters, play catch, all that good stuff. And when the Green Bay Packers would score a touchdown, because you can see Lambo from their backyard, I would run out and you could hear the music going. You could hear the roar of the crowd. And so, like I said, growing up here, you, you just love the team because it's a way of life. But I think it's those particular memories and experiences where the passion comes from, because anything that we enjoy in our lives, a lot of it comes from the memories, the experiences. And for me, it's spending that time with my grandparents. So I think that's really where the passion for it began. And then fast forward to, I believe it was 2018, I had never really done, dabbled in any sort of sports writing, but I just wanted a way to interact with other fans. I love the conversation, the back and forth. And so I decided to try to get into some writing. I had a Twitter account. I dusted that off, uh, started meeting folks that way, interacting. I started writing for uh, Lombardi Avenue, also of fan-sided, specifically a Packers site. Also wrote for reviewing the brew, a brewer specific site. And then in 2019, the there was an opening to kind of lead the charge at Dairyland Express. So 
I jumped all in on that. And that's what I've been doing since. I also have an article every Monday and Friday over at Cheesehead TV. So it's, it consumes me. It's a lot of what I do, but I truly, truly enjoy it. Just sharing my thoughts, opinions, and even more so just interacting with other, other fans to see what they think. So, you know, a couple of thoughts. I, I mean, so you, I mean, this isn't going to be a surprise to you. I, I hate the Packers. I do. <laughs> like, and, and I, I would like to say in a sense that I don't think it sounds charming. There's, you know, screw the Packers kind of thing, but that does sound tremendously charming. The whole, <laughs> the whole setup with Lambeau fields and the fact that like, you know, I've been to a couple NFL games. We're from Canada. And so getting to the okay. NFL games is a big deal for us. It's not as uh, common for folks in the States, uh, but man, tailgating is just, it's a fantastic experience. It's so much fun. And then to do that, I've never heard of tailgating, like just right in the middle of like a suburban neighborhood, like just residential. That's really unique, right? Yeah, the, the folks, the, the people, wherever you park cars at, obviously it's up to the homeowner. Yeah. But just about all of them, they're cool if you hang out. Obviously, if, as long as you're respectful, set up your grill, hang out as long as you want, um, have some beers. You can walk around with the beers too. It's like a college town on Sundays. Right. You know, if you're walking a few blocks from Lambo around there and you got beers and all that stuff, it's, it's all fair games. Like I said, as long as you're being responsible, but yeah, it's, it, it's very unique just because like I said, originally Green Bay is a hundred thousand people. This isn't yep. a norm quote unquote normal NFL city. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that sounds highly unusual, at least based off my experience with tailgating, but it sounds very, very charming and uh, very endearing. And so I can see, how that might uh, lead to some passionate fandom. Now, do you, I mean, you've been doing this now for a couple of years. Is this what, you know, Paul Brettle, full steam ahead. This, this is what you're seeing for the future. Uh, I mean, I, I would love for this to become a full-time job. I still do have my normal nine to five. So the articles that I knock out any sort of podcast or anything like that is, you know, built around the nine to five family time. So a lot of the yep. stuff that I do is Yep. Typically 7.30 at night or later, or I'll get yeah, up at, yeah. or in the morning before work to try and knock something out quick. But yep. in, in a perfect world, maybe someday we'll get there. I'd love that. But for right now, it's a, it's a passion. I enjoy it. And honestly, that's the most important part of it that we enjoy yeah. what we do. But yeah, but I still have work and all that stuff with it as well. All right. True enough. Sam, I mean, if you get anything there, but I do want to ask him about Rogers. Everyone, every Vikings fan's favorite player. We, we, got, we got, yeah. I like before we get into that, I want to know as a Packers fan, do you hate the Vikings? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, okay, so good. There's, yeah, it's, it's mutual. Cool. I feel like that makes <laughs> yeah. it like better. Um, Honestly, it'd be it's, worse. It's, like, it's part of the rivalry. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, you gotta, right? <laughs> of course, because there are some sports rivalries where like someone hates another team, but the other team, like thinks the other team's like so insignificant that it doesn't even matter <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I don't think that whatsoever i get a i get a lot of joy when the packers uh beat the vikings but i mean I, I i respect the team i respect the players but yes i want the packers to absolutely crush them every single time they play them good fair yeah, enough well, and if the vikings were to go 0-16 i mean that would be fantastic too not just the Packers. <laughs> Man, well, like as weird as it sounds, it feels that feels just better. Like it feels that we're on the same. same <laughs> it's more natural, same, right? <laughs> turf, yeah. Um, so yeah, of course, we definitely want to move into second down here and, and talk about the Green Bay's off season. It's yeah. been wild. Pretty quiet. It, it is <laughs> yeah, pretty quiet. Right. We did want to bring you on and talk about Kurt Benkirk. 
Um, is that <laughs> like, does that make sense? Or I no, I'm just joking. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into Rogers. Um, it's been wild. Like it's, it's been quite fascinating to watch from the outside. So like, I can imagine, hmm. I guess we'll start off. Do you believe this is his last year with the Packers? I do. Yeah. Um, just listening to his press conference. And I have to say, I greatly appreciated it. His honesty, he was very candid with it. Didn't hold anything back. And after a long off season where you're just wondering what the heck's going on. I, like I said, I, I really, really appreciated that honesty, but it just felt like, and obviously I could be wrong. There's still, you know, ways to go before we get to next off season and the potential for him to be traded. But I just feel like, the uncertainty, the vagueness around those questions about the future. It just seemed like a guy who was, he'll, he'll be ready to move on at that point. But mm-hmm. I think this season in particular, what really brought him back was one, he didn't, it's not like he had a lot of options. I mean, with the Green Bay Packers, as they should have been saying, we're not trading you. He didn't, I mean, what else was there to do other play for Green Bay or retire? But with the way they reworked his contract by taking away 2023, uh, Jay Glazer reported that, and I, we, I think we all kind of assume this, but there's like a verbal agreement, I think, that if Rodgers next offseason says, hey, I want to be traded, the Packers will go through and do that. But I absolutely think that he is going to, this is his last year. And then when we look at his contract as well, his cap hit next year is $46 million. Like there's a 0% chance that the Green Bay Packers let him play with a $46 million cap hit. So that means he's either getting traded or they're going to extend him. Like there's zero in between. It's one or the other. And for the Green Bay Packers who drafted Jordan Love, that I mean, he is a part of the future. Whether Packer yep. fans like that or not, he is going to be a part of the future. Yep. And to get to the point where Rodgers was contemplating legit retirement to six months later from today to the offseason, all of a sudden being, yes, I'm ready to sign an extension. Personally, I just, I don't see that happening. I think that this is, I mean, as the picture he put up on Instagram, I think this is their last dance and take right. one more swing at it. I mean, I, I just think Rogers is the worst. You know, I really don't like, <laughs> I just think he's such a douche, but he is so, he's such a special talent. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't think he's the best quarterback to ever play, but if you made there, if, if someone said like, he's the most talented quarterback to ever play. I could believe that. Like he is so unbelievably gifted. Um, You know, but like with that, so you liked the press conference. He was so candid. Mm -hmm. Didn't you feel like he was throwing in many ways, the coaches and the management under the bus? I don't think he was throwing the coaches whatsoever. I think he has zero issue with Matt LaFleur zero. I don't think he has any issue with his team. I think this stems from Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, Mark Murphy, the president. And I didn't get that impression, but even if that's how he felt, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to hear. I wanted, Is honestly, that right? whether it was a hard pill to swallow or whatever it may have ended up being. But like I said, I, en- I enjoyed it from the perspective of, I mean, cause this was months, never hearing yeah. from him, just that's reports, right. what's true, what's not. And he was honest. He told us exactly what he was thinking, exactly what was on his mind. And there were some points that he made where I, I was like, I understand where he's coming from with this. Mm-hmm. I can see why he's frustrated. So 
I didn't get that sense. And like I said, I, I believe he is, and this is just my opinion, um, but I believe he has zero issue whatsoever with Matt LaFleur. I think it is Brian Gutekinds and Mark Murphy. And even if some believe that he was taking shots at them, you know, overall, if that's how he felt and that's what he was telling us, his true feelings, I still appreciated that. That's, I was actually thinking that. Like, I feel like sometimes you can go into seasons where there's this cloud hanging over and you don't know what exactly is happening. And by him just explicitly saying everything that he did, it feels like now they can move on. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. actually the sense that you've gotten from what's happening there, but just like, okay, everything is out there. He's been clear. Now it's like, it's time to play football. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head because everyone was wondering and they'll still get the questions throughout the season. I mean, if they lose two games in a row, for example, I'm sure yeah. the, the media will have a field day over it. Oh, what does this mean for Rogers future? But I think what we've learned is this doesn't come down to winning or losing. I mean, obviously he wants to win. He wants to be a Super Bowl champion again, but I mean, cause this team went 26 and six last two years, they've gone to the NFC championship. Yep. It's about, <clears throat> he feels that he wasn't treated as he should have been. So regardless of if they lose two games in a row, I think those questions will rise up more from the media, but really what matters is everything that's going on behind the scenes. And we're not going to have any sort of idea of what that is until he either signs an extension or he's traded. But I, I think you're right on with that, uh, that uh, what you just said, and that he was just trying to get it all in the open. So the next, like when he had his, he had another press conference the, earlier this week on Wednesday, uh, there really weren't those many questions asked or really nothing along those lines because he took the time to air it all out and hopefully get most of that out of the way. Right. I mean, we, um, I'm not sure how much you remember, but I, I mean, we chatted uh, in early June, I think it was, mm-hmm. and I asked you about the situation, you know, how will it play out? How should it play out? And you told me back then it's not about the money mm-hmm. and you ended, you ended up being right. I think at the end, right. So, you know, and that was weeks before any sort of resolution at all. Um, and so I think with what Rod, you know, with the resolution that they came to and then what Rogers has said, you know, what you were saying was pretty much bang on the money. But then the question I have for you then uh, is so Rogers feels like, so he is a special quarterback, which is true. Mm-hmm. No, no, no debating. He's a first ballot hall of famer, sensationally gifted. He's a, he's a marvelous player. He feels like that ought to give him a certain amount of say and influence above the normal level for a quarterback. Should he have that? Do you think? I think that if he wants to come to management and say, Hey, I really like receiver X, who's a free agent. I absolutely believe that he should be able to, and they should sit there and listen to him and not just listen to him to pretend to be listening, like legit hear what he has to say, take it into consideration. And if it makes sense, go do it. I a hundred percent believe that they, that he's earned that right. I don't think that he should, you know, be the be all end all with decision-making. That's Brian Gudekin's job. He's a general manager. I know he gets thrown under the bus a lot, especially for how this has played out, but he's done a very nice job in his few seasons at Mm -hmm. the helm. Mm -hmm. So that's the line that I draw and how that's played out so far behind the scenes. Again, that's the big question mark. I find it hard to believe that Green Bay, that they were just that, I guess, cold to him for lack of a better word and not really taking in that consideration, or maybe he never felt that he was able to give that advice. But I mean, 
the man knows he's talented. He knows talent when he sees it. If he comes up, wants to pursue a trade or pursue a free agent, absolutely hear him out. But I also wonder if Green Bay had done that, does that change anything? Because say he wants to keep Jake Kumro, which we know yeah. he did. The Packers exactly. cut him. But then Brian Gukins hears him out, takes it into consideration and goes, no, we're still going to cut him. Like, is he still mad then? I kind of think he would be. So are we still in the same right. situation? I kind of think we are we, I kind of think we're going to end up here regardless. It's just, we're here now sooner than what any of us expected. <laughs> that's when I was reading it. That's kind of what I thought. I was like, Oh man, like he's making a lot of good points here. Like, of course he <laughs> wants to have an input. And of course it makes sense to consult your quarterback. That you've invested so much money and time into, I do think it's dangerous when players start becoming in any way, decision makers, but he, it seemed like he very much prefaced it. Like all I wanted was a voice, but it was like, if he has a voice, then what happens when that voice isn't heard? Like, how does he actually receive that? And it's like, once it's that, it's like, well, I want to just make at least a couple decisions each year. And right. then it's like, what, like, yeah. where, where does this line? Right. And, right. and that's why management usually puts such a clear line, but for him, it's, it's like, is there an exception? Yeah. It's like with the Jordan love pick. It, I mean, and right. Brian against just did an interview where he, I mean, and this should be known. They didn't go into that draft saying, hey, we're going to get Jordan Love. Yeah, I think right. it's pretty well known that actually Justin Jefferson was on their list of guys that they really, really wanted. But had Brian Gutekunst, even before the pick, and the draft the draft night, the, you're on the clock, like calling your quarterback at that time shouldn't have been no. on his priority list. I think going into it, he absolutely should have said, hey, heads up, we like this guy. Uh, just so you know, it's not, you know, we're absolutely taking them, but if things fall a certain way, uh, the wide receivers aren't there, the offensive tackles aren't there, it might happen. They absolutely, absolutely should have done that. But even if they did again, and they take Jordan Love, I think he's, I think we're still in the same situation. It just, yeah. the way it's played out, it just kind of almost seemed inevitable <laughs> looking back on what we know now. So then what do you, I mean, it's very easy for me as a Vikings fan to not like Rodgers. Because to me, from the outside looking in, he just comes across so arrogant. Um, you know, with and I, I like, I'm sure Tom Brady has gotten all kinds of say in personal decisions. I'm sure Peyton Manning did as well. You know, I'm sure all kinds of great quarterbacks have. But Green Bay and you kind of, you know, this wasn't what you were talking about tailgating, but it kind of gets to the point of it. Green Bay is a different franchise. Their leadership mm -hmm. is different. They go about their business differently than every other NFL franchise, right? And so. Like, you know, it's easy for me as a Vikings fan to say, man, Rodgers, forget that guy. Yeah, he's amazing, but he's just such a jerk sometimes. Do Packers fans feel that way? Um, I don't think so. I don't think that's the general consensus whatsoever. I'll just okay. speak for me personally. Sure. He's done so much for this team. That yeah, yeah. So, so much that regardless of how it ends, I mean – it's going to be tough seeing him if it happens in another uniform. I'm not going to want him to be in that another uniform. I, I don't want to see him win a Super Bowl in another uniform, but it's the same with Brett Favre as well. Uh, that time's going to pass. He's going to retire and you're just going to be thankful for what he did for your organization. And he's always going to be a Green Bay Packer just as Brett Favre is. Uh, so for me, I obviously I wanted him back this season He's our best chance to win and then going forward as well. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Do you think the Packers made a mistake with the Jordan love pick? Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. Okay. Oh, wow. Seriously. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I think you have a process. The Packers have a process. It's been successful for them for 30 years. And it's unfortunate that it worked out this way. I mean, the real hiccup in all of this, from what we've learned, is that Aaron Rodgers, after his MVP season, because like he said, that threw a wrench and everything, and it did, mm-hmm. that he wanted an extension. Yep. The Green Bay Packers just wanted to rework his deal. And that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so I've, I've, I've said all along that they absolutely should have extended him. You just look at the Jordan Love pick at that point as, you know, we made a mistake, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the real tipping point in all this and where they should have or could have changed how this whole offseason went. If they had done that right away, extended him, and I don't, I don't, I don't, we're not in this situation at this point. So, right. I, following up on that, do you think he played as, or would have played as well as he did last year? if they hadn't selected Jordan Love in a sense, like it almost seemed to tick him off and <laughs> push him to where he had this MVP season. It's hard to discount that with him. Cause we know he always talks about that chip on the shoulder. And I think more, I guess I won't say more than any athlete, but up there with a lot of athletes, he really yeah. plays yeah. into that. Well, I still think, I guess whether he's MVP or not, I still think he would have been very elite or very close to that MVP level. Reason being the Matt LaFleur offense, it's extremely quarterback friendly. Like Matt LaFleur has been a part of Aaron Rodgers' MVP season and a part of that resurgence because it's, it creates uh, quick passes, easier reads, gets guys in space where they can make plays by the end of the McCarthy era era. It was a lot of, all right, receivers, go win your one-on-one matchups. And they weren't winning them, and Aaron Rodgers had to go into super Aaron Rodgers mode, which obviously made things way more difficult for him. So transitioning from 2019 to 2020, we see in any head coaching change, not any head coaching change, but the successful ones, teams always make a big leap in, on that side of the ball where the coach particularly focuses on from years one to year two. So I still think that leap would have happened, and I still believe that Rodgers would have played at, at a high level like he did last year. I mean, I, as a Vikings fan, I loved McCarthy. And I just <laughs> wished more than anything that he'd get like a lifetime contract. But yeah, I mean, LaFleur's offense, I mean, why wouldn't you want to make life easy? I mean, I know he's sensational and he can do amazing things, but why wouldn't you want to make life easy for this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of that, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, how big of a factor can Randall Cobb be at this point? Cause that was one of the, it seems to me, again, I'm not an expert. You're going to know a lot more about this than I do, but for Rogers kind of coming back, they've got this kind of professional working relationship, I think is what he said about his relationship with the general manager. Um, it's a professional relationship. And part of that is bringing back one of the weapons that I wanted. And that was Randall Cobb. Do you think he could, I mean, Devontae Adams obviously is your number right. one, but I mean, is, is Cobb going to be a legit number two? Uh, it's hard to pass attempt wise. If that's defining number two, I don't think so. He is, although he's, I think he's gonna be turned 31 soon. He is like tailor made for this Matt LaFleur offense. If he could have had Matt, if Matt LaFleur was the head coach here in 2013, 14, 15, Cobb, Cobb would have had, I think a, a few more big seasons other than just that 2014 or 15 one where he had like 1200 yards, but he's a true slot receiver. 
which is something this offense hasn't had. They've mm-hmm. lined up Devonte, MVS, Lazard there, and I've, they were the top scoring offense in football last year. So obviously they did just fine, but they didn't have a true slot receiver. He also fills that motion man, jet sweeps, wide receiver screens, those quick passes to get the ball in space to a guy. That's another element they didn't really have. They tried to fill it with Tyler Irvin. He was injured and a limited player. They traded for Tavon Austin midway through last season, again, to try to fill that role. Again, a limited player. So he brings a skill set that this offense, or Matt LaFleur, hasn't had but will utilize uh, very, very well just because it fits with what he does. The, the real question here is Amari Rogers, who they drafted in the third round. Right. He's like Randall Cobb light. Like he was even asked before the draft, who do you compare yourself to? He said Randall Cobb because they both have such similar skill sets. So, so my guess on how that plays out is because Cobb's a veteran. He has the rapport with Rogers is he's going to see in that role more of the snaps early on. I think the hope is that uh, Rogers, Amari Rogers, will by the end of the season be more in that larger role within that slot jet sweep motion man versus Cobb. But Cobb is very well fit for this offense. We know Rodgers trust him. So that alone is going to get him targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think the hope is anyways, that Amari Rodgers can eventually be take a bulk of the snaps at that position as the season progresses. That's interesting, right? Cause I mean, so Devonte Adams is probably, I mean, I would say right now it's probably the best receiver in the league. I mean, he's just, he's sensational. His release is just mm-hmm. so wicked. And so then you have Devontae Adams, obviously, is fantastic. And Tanyan's actually very good. Aaron Jones is very good. And then if Cobb is even good, you know what I mean, or average to above average, right? And then what you're saying with Samari Rogers coming up and then Valdez Scantling and, you know, et cetera, some of these other dudes who can contribute here and there, you know, you've, you've potentially got a pretty ferocious offense. Uh, and then you've got a new D coordinator as well. So it's going to be – you guys look to be a complete team, uh, at least at this stage – yeah, I think really lost in this offseason is that this is a very talented team. And yeah, I don't just mean that as a Packers fan, but this team went 13 and three. They were the top scoring offense in football. Like it, it was clear that the 2020 13 and three NFC uh, team that went to the NFC championship was way different than the 2019 one. 2019, there were a lot of close games. When they got blown out by San Francisco, you're kind of like, I, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Whereas 2020, Man, that loss to Tampa Bay hurt because yeah. it felt and having the number one seed, Rodgers had never had an NFC championship game at Lambeau. Like it felt like the year. So that mm. one hurt. But they're bringing back almost the identical team. The Packers are going to have a lot of financial pains in 2022 with the salary cap because they did, they pushed, I think it was around $27 million in cap charges from 2021 to 2022. And Mm -hmm. right now they're about $50 million over the cap. Obviously there's ways to get around that and they will, but this team's going to look different in 2022 than what it does now. And I don't just mean if Aaron Rodgers is gone, there's going to be some key contributors who are elsewhere, but really the only uh, starting key player from last year's team that's gone is Corey Lindsley. And he was tremendous. He was an all pro. They really like who they, who they have in Josh Myers from Ohio state as well, who they drafted in the second round. Obviously he's not going to be Corey Lindsley, but offensive line play is very much the, the it's a, about the greater whole versus the sum of the parts. I mean, you could have a really stout, which the Packers do left side of the offense line with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. 
But mm-hmm. Billy Turner at right tackle is struggling. Well, the offensive line as a whole is going to struggle. So I think that that's going to help negate Josh Myers just being an inexperienced player because of who he has around him. So I expect that offensive line unit to be good as well. And just circling back to where I started, this team is really talented. Even the defensive side of the ball, the Darius Smith, all pro, Kenny Clark, pro bowler, Jair, all pro, Savage and Amos by pro football focus was the best safety duo over the second half of the season. Like, and that's part of why Mike Pettin is, was fired because the, the results, the numbers didn't match the talent. So whether that equates to a Super Bowl, I mean, that's what we're going to find out, but just going through the roster, the players, you can't deny just how much talent is here. And Rogers knows that Brian Gudikins knows that I think in the end, that's what, that's the glue that's holding the ship together for 2021 because they know the opportunity that's in front of them. Sure. Sure. Well, maybe on that point, Sam, do you want to hit third down and, and talk about the NFC North for five minutes or so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we do want to take a little bit of a step back and just look at the NFC North as a whole. And I think as much as, well, Kyle would hate to say it, and a lot of Vikings fans would hate to say it. Green Bay's considered the favorite in the NFC Yes, North. They, they are. Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, who would you say then has the best shot of challenging Green Bay in the NFC North? Well, not just because I'm talking to you guys, but I do believe it is the Vikings. Uh, good, good answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. You're going to cut me off. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Well, yeah, it's been fun. But, but I have to say, Last year's draft for the Vikings, I, I really did like it. There were a lot of guys that they got that I was big fans of heading into the draft. And I wasn't nearly – I didn't have necessarily high expectations in year one for that draft class just because they're rookies. And I think that that showed last season. But now in year two, more experience. We saw what Justin Jefferson can do. I did like their draft class again this year. Yeah. Uh, Mike Zimmer got some defensive help that he needs. They have Kirk Cousins, who's an experienced quarterback, which is – you know, more than, more than what you can say about Justin Fields and the bears. We know the bears have the defense. I think Justin Fields has the potential to be a really good quarterback as well, but I'm going to take the, the Vikings and having that veteran quarterback presence, a, a steady defensive coach like Mike Zimmer over the bears who could, I mean, they could surprise us all depending what fields does, but ultimately with the bears as well, I got to see, I got to see what Matt Nagy does as well. Justin Fields is a more talented quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. And that's not groundbreaking news by any means, but I don't, I also don't think that Nagy put Trubisky in the best positions to succeed all the time either. So for that reason, you know, that's a big reason why just the quarterback play. And we don't know. He could, Justin Fields could come out and light things up, but I, I think top to bottom, the Vikings have the more sound roster. And then, like I said, just the more stability at, uh, quarterback with Kirk Cousins his ceiling isn't what Justin Fields is by any means but a rookie versus an experienced player in a system that he's comfortable with so I go for the Vikings in that regard and then the Lions the Lions are the Lions man I don't know <laughs> I mean I don't they've had sensational players Calvin Johnson was incredible yeah. Sanders was incredible but I don't think I've ever really respected the Lions team as like a legit threat mm-hmm. right I see the Bears and like man we just, they always play us tough. Packers, I mean, I hate to say it, but they have obviously are the favorites in the North, right? And, and until we beat them, until we show that we're better than them, then they should be assumed that they're the best team. So, like, but the Lions, I just, I the can't Bears, ima- As can't a Packers imagine. fan, I've seen the Bears have success. I've seen the Vikings have success. For the Lions, it's one of those things where it's like, 
I'm going to need to see it before I believe it. Yeah. So they're totally. going to need to show me first and then I'll be like, Oh, okay. But right. at this point, all these years, I, I just can't give them the benefit of the doubt right now. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. So then would it be fair to say, so your NFC North power ranking is going to be Packers number one, Vikings number two, Bears and Lions. So you have a division winner, obviously gets into the playoffs. Are you having the Vikings with a wild card or where, how are you looking at this? Ah, uh, shoot. I haven't gone that far ahead, but I, I, I think the Vikings would be a wild card team at that rate. Uh, you know, they're letting in the seventh team now. Vikings not where they're scheduled but just knowing you know being somewhat familiar with the roster that's definitely a team that can put up 10 11 wins which even yeah. with the 17 games should be enough to make the playoffs yeah that's a, I mean if all the stars align and everything is perfect I think we could exceed that but again that's that's a perfect right. season uh, I think in reality what we're probably you know we're probably at that point where we're 10 and seven, I suppose, 11 and six. Mm-hmm. And you hope that you're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, and, that's what it's all about. And exactly. Right. Like you hope you just hit your stride in those final few weeks and just hit the playoffs on an absolute tear, super confident mm-hmm. and then see what happens. Right. But I, I, I think that what you're saying is probably making sense here for the, in terms of the North overall, mm-hmm. Sam, what do you think here? Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, we want to thank you, Paul, for coming on and listeners can find you on Twitter at Paul underscore Brutal, that's B B R E T T L. I was having trouble reading there. Uh, and you can find your writing at Dairyland Express. And I know you mentioned earlier you got a YouTube channel um, that listeners should listen to. Or maybe you said that off air, but I know you, you were saying that you do have a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's just my name, Paul Brutal, B R E T L. And usually it's just, I maybe put out a video or two a week. It's just kind of a a different way to consume my writing content. I'll usually discuss a few articles or I've been going to a couple training camp practices. So just some observations, things like that. It's really just whatever's on the top of my brain. <laughs> totally. So YouTube channel, I mean, it's mostly going to be Vikings fans here tuning in, but if you want to learn more about the Packers, yeah, <laughs> you get YouTube channel, you can follow, follow Paul Brettel on Twitter. And then is Dairyland Express is kind of your main spot, right? But then you mentioned another, was it Cheesehead? Yep. She said TV. Yep. I got our club there Monday and Friday. Yep. Okay. Excellent. So keep track of all those things. Yeah. And maybe you just follow <laughs> him on, on Twitter and you can get all that from him there. Thanks for coming on, man. We, I don't know. We really, really appreciate making time. Oh, absolutely. I had a blast talking to you guys. I obviously most of the podcasts I do or shows I do is Packer centered. So it was fun yep. to discuss the Vikings specifically, the rest of the North and just get some different perspectives. If you absolutely. ever need a purple perspective, absolutely. You, you hit us up. We'll take care of you. (laughs) Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely appreciate it. Well, it was a real pleasure to have Paul on. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's like, I know we joked a little bit about the hatred between the fan bases, but uh, a really awesome guy and, and a lot of fun to talk with him and hear his honest perspectives on what's been going on uh, in green Bay this off season. Cause it's been quite interesting to observe from the outside looking in. Totally, man. I mean, I hate the Packers. I do think Rodgers is a jerk. Paul Bretto was a sweet guy and he knew a lot. He was a great guest. And so our thanks to, uh, to him for coming on and, and definitely, I mean, goodness, like, like I know, I know in a sense it's weird where Vikings podcast, go check out his stuff, but like the NFC North is, it's our most immediate context for success, right? So it kind of, 
the North has always been interesting to me just as a result, because, you know, these teams really have an impact on our Vikings. And so if you are of like mind, then by all means, follow Paul Brother on, on Twitter and check out his stuff and, and see what's going on with the competition, by all means. It's, it's always fun to watch, actually, and just like to have a couple of voices that you hear from these competition. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, I don't... <laughs> You don't want for them to struggle, but it is kind of fun to see when you like, I think you would follow more of the fan bases fans to watch them implode with bad stuff happening, but it is fun. <laughs> I think to actually have like a level-headed reporter to follow and just see what's happening. Um, yeah. I just think that it gives you a well-rounded perspective on what's going on. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to ask you that he mentioned that was kind of interesting was that he said like that Rogers would be on the, on the cap for 46 million next year. And I yep. was like, 46 million is not far off from 45 million. Um, no, which, which is where Kirk is. Um, it's 1 million more and he's like twice as good. Yeah. So, so like, I know as much as you hate him, I'm sure that uh, the, a trade trade one for one would be uh, welcomed, yeah. but like, it was interesting. Like, Oh, that's just a, a non-starter. And it's like, well, and anyways, we're just going to enjoy the season, but, yep. but Kirk is on there for 45 million next year as things stand right now. And um, it's, that's going to be interesting. I, I hope it doesn't come too much of a story during the season, but it's definitely something to watch out for. He's not the most popular guy right now. And so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> see. <it> <laughs> we'll see how things shake out with Mr. Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. We, and it, we're, we won't, uh, we're from Canada. It's, I feel like there's a whole different perspective on what's going on there. And, and we are, are not talking a whole lot about training camp right now. We're recording uh, midweek right now and publishing on Monday, but um, yeah, I, I think that overall at this point right now, we're definitely looking forward and, and preseason starts soon. Uh, yeah, man. Football starts soon. And at that point, hopefully we're, we're talking just about football and, and what's happening and and all the all the Vikings wins. One thing I should shoehorn in here before Sam gets to the wild stuff. Said so, so this will come out. We're recording Friday night. Uh this will come out Monday. Uh so this week uh we've got training camp practices against Denver. Um which is really good, right. really productive because our guys instead of just it always feel like I see the video of Jefferson with this amazing route and then it's on Cameron Dantzler. So it feels like a zero-sum game. Yes, Jefferson was great, but Dantzler wasn't. Or, you know, you see, and so I, it's nice to be able to go against a different team. And so they're going to go against Denver. And, of course, they got Teddy Bridgewater. George Payton is there. There's all kinds of connections. Shamar Steffen's there now. And then our first uh, preseason game is not, you know, this currently, this this weekend right now, but uh, this, uh, this next one here. So it's – I think it's going to be Saturday, if I'm not mistaken – it's Saturday the 14th is there. Here we are. We're talking yeah. on Friday the 6th. I believe yeah, Saturday 13, the 14th. 13, 14 is, are the dates. Right. And so, yeah, keep, keep an eye out. This is coming out Monday. So keep an eye out for those Denver practices. And then, of course, the preseason game against the Broncos. Right. I, I said midweek. It's it's Friday. The, the yeah. days are, are blending in. But, yeah. It's, Man, uh, time is strange in the pandemic. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, very peculiar. It's been a weird time, but um, yeah. Anyways, just a quick wild update. It's we're in the off season. Uh, all the NHL GMs are away at cottages or away at whatever, and so things are going to be happening. So I'll provide updates when they do happen. Uh, it's fun to talk about, fun to see what's happening. 
Uh, the they're really at this point there's the the two contracts for Kaprizov and and Fiala and honestly I'm gonna just say right now these aren't I don't think they're gonna get signed until September at the earliest it's it's just there's no rush at this point there there needs to be a little bit of a deadline to push these things forward I think at this point um, one interesting thing that I came across this week there is a website called Evolving Hockey. And they do a great job. They've got a lot of analytic stuff, but one of the things they do super well is do contract projections. And so they've got different charts for how likely it is for a player to sign for a certain amount of money for a certain term. And so they have a chart that would have what they would expect for Kaprasov and Fiala, as well as any free agent or, or restricted free agent, how much they would make how much they would predict that they would make for the amount of term that they're signing and what the cap it would come at. Um, so they did post a chart uh, earlier this week where they predicted that the most likely contract for Kaprasov would be five years at 7.738 million. Um, and Fiala also has uh, the most likely contract for him would be five years at $6.1 million. And so I think overall, if you if they come in at that number, you're you're pretty happy. Obviously, if they go longer term, the cap it's probably going to go up a little bit. Shorter term might go down, um, but I think if you could sign both those guys for five years, uh, considering their age, uh, you know, Fiala's 25, Caprizov's 24. I uh, I think that you're sitting pretty well for for the next five years with with those two guys at that number, especially with the amount of money that's been thrown around or this early in the off season. Yeah, man, that's like, I'll never be an NHL GM, but man, to me, that just seems like if, if those two deals were to happen exactly like that, the five years and those numbers you gave, that'd just be tremendous for the wilds. And it would, you know, and it's, and it's good for the players too, in that when those deals are done, they can still be on the tail end of their prime can still cash in on another really good size contract. Right. So I, I just think everyone wins. I, I, I love both those deals. And hopefully it shakes out kind of similar to what Evolving Hockey is saying there. Absolutely. And I think often you see the problem with contracts is the ones that you sign for the guys at their 29, 30 years exactly. old seasons. And so if you can take them to the end of that, get an assessment, uh, and then figure out where you're going from there, you're likely not spending money on a player that's going to be declining at any point in a five-year yep. five term at the age that they're at. Um, at least not significantly where you're you're looking like you're in a bad spot. So they obviously uh, they've got some cap stuff to work through, but but I think that look at those numbers. If they could sign both those guys to a good term for under 14 million, like it has predicted here, I think that would be uh, that would be a win. 100. percent Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like most wild fan would agree with that. Yeah, and if you're able to get less, then that's great. Like that's yeah. that's uh, more money to spend elsewhere, but. Um, we'll wrap up there. I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, thanks again to Paul. Great to have him on. Um, be sure to stop by the vikingsgazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. The Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. Thanks, everyone, and we will talk with you soon.